Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. Dude, I jacked up my shoulder the other day. Doing Pretty what? Bad. A couple different things. So <laughs> I went bow shooting for the first time. What kind of bow did you use? Uh, it was a compound bow. And it's just, it uses a different muscle that I'm not used to working to pull it back. So you only pull it back, right? And then you just like press a button to release it? Is that how? Yeah. Once once you get it back, it kind of locks. Okay. Well, was and how, then you, you release it. How many pounds was the pull? I think he said like 55 or okay. 60. It felt to be on the higher end. <laughs> I don't know bows very well, but I was being an idiot and I had shot it like three times and I had like skinned my forearm a couple times, which is normal. But this one time I had like completely locked out my elbow. And so my elbow, like the inside of my elbow was like right <laughs> where the string comes down. Oh. And so I let it go and it just... It hurt so bad. Oh, geez. Ouch. I almost dropped the bow because it hit like a nerve. It like hit my funny bone. Yeah. And I had to set the bow down and I couldn't even straighten out my arm. And I t- and I had a hoodie and a jacket on over it. <laughs> Dang. And so I took it off and it was like bloody and immediately bruised. Did it like and pop I, a like blood vessel or something? It must have because it was all swollen. And then I just felt this like nerve going down to my pinky and my ring finger, like just just shooting pain yeah. down my whole arm. And I couldn't straighten out my arm for like probably three or four days. <laughs> Dang. And then it was four days after that, I went ice skating. You know, I got too confident and started skating too fast and slipped and fell right on my elbow. Uh, same arm? The, this The same arm. Oh, man. I didn't realize it till a few hours later, but it must have like tore something in my shoulder, like on the outside of my shoulder, um, because I couldn't like lift my arm above my head for a wow. few days, and it's it's like still recovering. Is your elbow fine, or was it like just the, did it hurt the shoulder? It's still a little sore to the touch, and this was like a week and a half ago. Have you been able to like work out at all with that, or have you just like stayed off it? Yeah, I've tried to I've tried to just stay off it just to yeah. heal it. And stick to like <clears throat> core workouts and it's like body weight legs. Stuff. Yeah. But it, it was just like back to back. And then like, <laughs> I think it was the day after the ice skating incident, I like burned my hand on the stove, <laughs> the same arm. My left arm oh, is just geez. like completely immobile. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, I've just been doing a bubble wrap around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to heal it. So today we just did armistice workout have you ever heard of that the armistice no. wad Mm-mm. it's like a wad that some boxes do on november 11th i think and it, I, it was november 11th veteran day, veterans day workout is that what it's for it's armistice day workout which is some is some significance to world war one I, I think okay so what you're supposed to do is it's 11 minute am rap you do 11 power cleans, 11 burpees, 19 toes to bars, 18 wall balls. That's the the normal one. The scaled is just 11 burpees, 11 lunges, 19 sit-ups, 18 air squats. Okay. So it's just like a, a pretty simple body weight. Yeah. And then to make it a partner wide, you just double the time. So it's 22 minutes. So Katie and I did that. And I mean, it was fine. I It didn't really work me as hard as I wanted, but I didn't hurt my shoulder or anything. So 
Yeah, as long as you can stay moving, you know. Yeah, keep the blood flowing a little bit. Yeah, what about you? What are you doing? Uh, I haven't been able to do too many. It's been a rough week in terms of working out, but today I just did. I did mostly body weight. It was toes to bar, burpees, and kettlebell swings. Okay. So it was just uh, like five rounds of that. It was good. Got the heart rate up, but I don't know. It's just been with travel and stuff this past week. It just kind of thrown thrown things off. So it's mainly been body weight workouts. And then now that I'm home for a long period of time, I'll start incorporating heavier things back into the workouts. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all you can do. And it's better than nothing. It's better yeah. than just sitting there. Yep. Uh, so this is the first episode of 2020. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year, everyone. We are, even though, you know, we're like past the big weather change and like the holidays, we still have a few months of winter left. Uh, I, Andy, am in Charlotte and Aaron's in Indianapolis, so we still have a few months of winter left. And typically this time of year that like people get sick more often due to the, the cold weather. And when trying to combat the flu or a cold, one thing that has been thrown around a lot lately over the past couple of years is elderberry. So we thought it would be worth it to do a deep dive into this and look at the claimed benefits and look at what the evidence actually shows, uh, whether or not it actually lives up to the hype. Yeah, I feel like every year there's always like a few, you know, superfoods or power foods that people talk about, you know, kale, avocado, blueberries. I feel like acai was like a cure cancer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is kind of falls under that category where you are hearing about it a lot more now. And some of the claims on those things are true. Some are not as true. So we wanted to see like, is it worth taking this every day? You know, does it live up to the hype? Right. Elderberry just in general is a, it's a, it's a edible fruit that grows on similar to other berries. It just grows on bushes and shrubs and you can't consume this unless it's cooked. So it's actually has toxins in it that if you eat it, basically raw right off of the bush, then you're going to get toxins in your system. It can be, it's not poisonous to a point where you're going to be killed by it, but you will get, I think like upset stomach and vomiting and things along those lines. Yeah. It's actually cyanide poisoning. Oh, okay. It contains cyanogenic glycosides, I think is what I read. And when a lot of, a lot of plants contain this uh, toxin and it's released when it's like broken or destroyed. So when you chew it or consume it, that's when it can release uh, the cyanide. Now in this level and this low quantities, like you said, it's not going to kill you. I don't think it's fatal, but it can make you sick. Yeah. So that's why we see in the stores, typically this is sold like as a syrup or as an extract. I don't even know if you can buy, I have at least not seen in my area where I live up in the Midwest I haven't seen it in stores. Like, I don't think you can buy it in its raw form. I don't think you can buy, like, raw. I think pretty much any kind of elderberry that you'd get at the store, in the U.S. at least, is perfectly safe to consume. It's gone through the process, so you're not going to get any kind of But it's going to be, like, in supplement form. It's not going to be in the berry form. I'm sure you can buy it in the berry form, but typically it's in a, a supplement form, like a capsule or a syrup. Right. Right. So that's just one good thing to note. Don't just go... Like buy seeds online, grow them, and then start plucking them off and eating them because you'll get sick. So that's what elderberry is. And 
like it's been used medicinally for thousands of years throughout history um, and different parts of the plants have been used to treat different things. I think the flowers and leaves have been used for pain relief, swelling, inflammation. The bark was historically used as a, a diuretic or laxative uh, and induced vomiting, which that may actually be from the cyanide. And the berries or juice that we see today on the store shelves are typically used to treat influenza, sinusitis, bronchitis, and you know your common cold. So elderberry advertised and marketed today is to, to defend against the common cold or the flu. Uh, like Aaron said, boost the immune system, uh, improve cold and flu symptoms, or just reduce inflammation. Yeah, so I guess transitioning into like the research of this, there surprisingly has not been significant research done around elderberries. So there's been a few studies done in really the 2000s is kind of when I have seen studies been published at least. And there really aren't a ton out there, which I was kind of surprised to see. There are more recent studies and I believe in the future we'll start seeing a lot more of these. But as of now, there there's very few studies to cite. So if you are looking online, reading about elderberries, trying to research it, almost every article you read is going to cite two studies. And the two studies are very well conducted. They are, um, they're both observational studies, but they're your gold standard observational studies. They are randomized, double blind, placebo controlled studies. So it's, it's the best observational study you can possibly get. Yeah. So they're, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to clarify double blind placebo. So what that means is that both parties, the people taking the supplement and people that were just taking a placebo, neither of them knew what they were taking. Like they they didn't know whether they were taking the placebo or or the actual thing. Right. So they're very well conducted studies, but the population of both of these or the subjects in the studies is also very small in these two. And then there's also a meta-analysis conducted actually just this year in 2019. I think it was published like in February where they looked at four studies, two of which we're going to kind of mention here and break down in our research. But they looked at four studies and they essentially came to the conclusion that supplements with elderberry has found to substantially reduce the severity and the duration of upper respiratory symptoms. So looking at one of those, so that we're going to look into two of them. Uh, one of them was a study specifically looking at elderberry and the impact it has on the flu, so influenza A and B. And this was done in 2004, I believe it was when the study was published. So in this study specifically, they took 60 patients who showed signs of the flu in the past 48 hours. So they had just gotten these symptoms of the flu. And they took 30 of the patients, gave them placebo, the other 30 gave them elderberry. The servings that they gave, it was in syrup form, and they gave them one tablespoon four times a day. And they did that for five days. So some people maybe just saw their symptoms. Other people had it for two days, 48 hours. So they caught it pretty quick and then gave them one tablespoon four times a day for five days. And then what they found is that on average, these symptoms for the people who were actually taking the elderberry, that their symptoms were relieved four days earlier. So pretty significant. Like it's not just, 
you know, a day or two, like four whole days on average, they were, their symptoms were relieved quicker than the 30 people who were just taking a placebo. And also the symptoms were less severe, which is, which is also key. It's not just they relieved earlier, but they were also less severe symptoms. Yeah. That's more than just statistically or that is statistically significant. And I think if my math is correct, one tablespoon is about 150 milligrams. So I think you mentioned they did that four times a day. So they'd be about 600 milligrams when they were experiencing flu symptoms. Yeah. So the second study was looking at basically the impact of elderberry on people who travel. Yeah. And the results of this study were very similar to the study that you referenced the sample size was a bit bigger. I think they started out with 312 passengers and the passengers were asked to rate their symptoms using this thing called the Jackson scale, which is a common index used to assess cold symptoms. So they have to rate uh, how severe uh, sneezing is, nasal obstruction, nasal discharge, sore throat, cough, headache, chilliness, malaise, which is, I guess, the feeling of general discomfort. It's the first time I've heard that term. And they also used a couple other surveys to ask them to rate their upper respiratory uh, symptoms and their generally general quality of life. And then they were given 300 milligrams of elderberry extract capsules two times a day for two days before travel, and then three times a day for eight days afterwards. I think that's right. Yeah, because I think for a total of 10 days, they were they were taking this consistently. Right, right. And that ended up being about 600 milligrams per day before travel and 900 milligrams per day during and after travel. So that's a significant amount. And of those 312 that they tracked, um, 29 got sick. 17 were placebo passengers, 12 were elderberry passengers. And what they found is that participants suffering from a cold episode while taking elderberry on average, experienced a two-day shorter duration of the cold. So of those 17 patients that were not taking elderberry, their sickness on average lasted 6.88 days. And the passengers that took elderberry, their sickness lasted 4.75 days. So about two days shorter. And like you said, their symptoms were less severe because they were asked to rate the severity of their symptoms. And when they compared before and after those that were taking elderberry experienced far less severe symptoms. Again, these are small sample sizes in the grand scheme of things. Like when you look at big medical studies, these would be considered pretty small. Like you had mentioned, they're very well done studies, um, but small sample size. Yeah. So the, the meta analysis that contains these two studies, the total participants in that was still pretty small, 180 across the four studies. So we had in the first study here, we had 60, um, 60 patients. And then in the study you cited, it was 29. Um, so that was just a portion of the 180. So it's still overall looking at the four studies, it's still a small population, but pretty, pretty convincing statistics based upon what we're seeing here. Yeah, the research done to date looks pretty promising. And the exact mechanics of how elderberry impacts immune function is still being researched. It's not entirely nailed down. We do know that, uh, as I think we mentioned in the wine episode, berries contain some pretty powerful antioxidants. Um, elderberry contains a high concentration of something called 
anthocyanin, which gives it that dark purple color. And that's, that's actually being researched right now for cancer-fighting properties. So that's a strong antioxidant. Uh, it's been shown to have some anti-inflammatory effects. But how it impacts like immune function and as it relates to the studies of influenza and your cold is they believe that the flavonoids in the elderberry stimulate the immune system by enhancing the production of cytokines. And cytokines are like really crucial for the communication of cells' immune response. Those help us target uh, the infection and inflammation. And so since elderberries contain a high high amount of flavonoids, it can boost our immune system. That's, that's how they think that it functions. Um, a lot of the studies didn't really actually get into explaining what caused the results. They kind of were just looking at the, like what happened, how does it impact people's ability to fight a cold. They didn't really get into the science of what's happening uh, at, at a cellular level. Right. Um, so just to go off of that, if you want just some like basic, I guess, understanding of elderberry kind of like as a plant and kind of what its compound is, which these play a role into how it helps us. There's, there's a good summary article I found out there. Um, I was actually reading the article and I found it was by a professor at Purdue university, which is where I went to school. And then I recognized like the name and the article and it was, I took a, a tropical horticulture class at Purdue when I was there. Um, and this is my professor actually who wrote this oh, article. So dude, that's was, awesome. I, yeah, I was like reading the whole thing. And then at the end, I saw like who wrote it and where it was from. And it was pretty cool. Oh, but neat. it was a good summary on looking at like elderberry as a plant, kind of the compound, what's it made up of the it goes into and it also goes into like the benefits of it and kind of how nutrient dense it is compared to other berries. But we'll post a link to that in the show notes if you want to read that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, they they contain a whole whole lot of stuff that is still being researched. Like they have a whole lot of vitamins as well. Um, A, B, C, E. Uh, there's a little bit of zinc and iron in the elderberries as well. So, um, but we won't get into too much detail there. One thing that always comes up when we're talking about immune health is vitamin C. And you see recommendations for when you have a cold, you know, take some vitamin C, drink orange juice. And then you hear some kickback saying, well, once you're already sick, it's too late to take vitamin C. It's not going to do anything. And I always hear back and forth on this, and I never know what to believe when it comes to vitamin C when you're already sick. And we could do a full episode on this, so I'm just going to briefly run over this because it comes up a lot when we're talking about immune health. Uh, There was a big meta-analysis done looking at several studies in 2018 I think they started with like 546 studies and narrowed it down to nine, uh, six of which they considered to be very high quality studies. Three were lower quality, uh, they determined. Uh, but they they were, all these studies used pretty high doses of vitamin C. They used what's called a therapeutic dose, which is over 200 milligrams a day. But most of the studies were actually using between 1,000 and 4,000 milligrams a day. And those little vitamin C packets that you get at the store that you like mix with water, those are about a thousand milligrams. Yeah, so I think like that. I think most capsules you get on average are like five hundred milligrams. Yeah. So those are typically the lower end, and these studies were using like four th- up to four thousand milligrams. 
So they looked at the results of symptoms of a cold. So nasal congestion, runny nose, sore throat, aching limbs. There was no, no statistical significant reduction in symptoms um, in that regard. Nasal congestion, runny nose, sore throat, aching limbs. No, no big change between those taking vitamin C and those who weren't. There was a statistical significant reduction in symptoms for fever, chest pain, and chills. It's kind of odd. I don't know why those symptoms are relieved when you take vitamin C, but that's what the research so shows. And this was specifically for after you have already shown signs of the symptoms, not before. Yeah. They start taking vitamin C at the very onset of the symptoms. Okay. And so, I mean, what they concluded is that taking some extra doses of vitamin C at the onset of a common cold could help reduce um, the duration of the cold by about half a day. So not really significant. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, at least in the past five, 10 years, you always hear like, when you're sick, vitamin C, like that's the thing that's pushed is always take your vitamin C. There's the, like, the little emergency packets you're supposed right. to take when you're sick. Yet people say drink orange juice, which is probably not the best thing to do. But it seems just based on the evidence of vitamin C, what you quoted, and based upon the early research we've seen with elderberries, that elderberry is going to give you a significant advantage in duration, severity of these symptoms over vitamin C. Now, not to say you can't take both, but it looks like right. elderberry is going to have a much more significant impact on, on your recovery. Yeah. And I mean, vitamin C is, you want to maintain your vitamin C levels. Hopefully you're getting that through your diet. It's still going to help your overall immune health. But like once you're already sick, like you said, to reduce the severity of the symptoms and the length of the sickness, I think elderberry is going to help more with that. Yeah. So have you taken elderberry before? Yeah. So I've only done it. I've taken it once um, for a period of time. So this was like a year I have in the past like year I've been sick just once one time in the past year, year and a half, other than like allergies, just typical allergy right. symptoms, but actually getting sick with the flu or severe cold. It was like a year or a year and a half ago. And first sign of symptoms, it was within probably, it was within definitely two days. It was probably within the um, one day I started taking elderberry syrup. I took one tablespoon. I want to say I did it two to three times a day. And I okay. did that for probably four to five days. Yeah, about four to five days. I did okay. it up until I actually started feeling better at that point. So typically okay. for me, when I get sick, I'm usually out for quite a while. Like it's usually about, honestly, like two weeks before symptoms are gone. Yeah. And, yep. you know, I it, I peak at like seven days. It's usually when I'm like at the worst or six days. So it usually hits me pretty hard. I don't get sick often, but when I do, it's pretty bad. So yeah. I did do the elderberry syrup and, you know, I, it really, I think it decreased the time for me. I don't know if I would say it was like a four day deduction in time. I'd say probably right. closer to like two or three days. I got better quicker and definitely the symptoms were not as severe. So I was also mixing that with uh, vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc. So those three things I take at other times of the year, depending on circumstances. So I was taking those, all four of those elderberry, 30 milligrams of zinc once a day, uh, 500 IUs of vitamin D a day, and then yep. 500 milligrams of vitamin C twice a day. So that's kind of my immunity stack. Whenever I get symptoms, that's what I take. So I can't fully attribute it to elderberry cause I didn't take just right. that, but I, 
I mean, usually when I'm sick, I just do the vitamin C, vitamin D and C, and it still lasts as long as, you know, up to two weeks. But in corp- this was the first time a year ago was the first time that I incorporated the consistent elderberry syrup. And I definitely did see a difference with that. And hopefully next time I get sick, I can incorporate this and see the same results. Yeah, I, I have pretty much the exact same results that you had. So similar to you, when I get sick, it's like two weeks. I hate it. And yeah. I always have all this sinus pressure. And, you know, as everybody can tell from the way I talk, I'm just naturally nasally. <laughs> and when I get sick, that is like multiplied. And it typically lasts for like 10 to 14 days. I mean, I won't be miserable that whole time, but it'll peak at, yeah, maybe like five to seven days. And then I'll just have this lingering like sinus pressure. And so in the past uh, year, probably the past year, I've taken it twice when I've been sick. And I did, there was a noticeably reduction in the severity of symptoms when I took it compared to when I'm normally sick and not taking elderberry. I noticed less pressure in my head, so like less sinus issues, and uh, my run nose was more mild. And the length of time that I was sick was less than average. So like I said, normally I'm sick for like 10 to 14 days, or I, I, I'm, I should say I'm still feeling symptoms for 10 to 14 days before I'm back to 100%. Both times I took elderberry, I... The on from the onset of symptoms to when the symptoms were completely gone, it was like seven days. Wow. And did now, you take this within like immediately once you saw symptoms? Did you start taking yep. it? And yep. what was what, your dosage that you took? Uh, typically between 200 and 400 milligrams. Okay. Yeah. On the full onset of my symptoms, I was taking about 400 milligrams. As I was starting to notice symptoms, I think I was around 200, but then I, I increased it. So I was also taking turmeric, zinc, and vitamin D. Okay. I don't think I was taking vitamin C even. Um, so I can't attribute it 100% to the elderberry. For all I know, I could have just got a virus that impacted me less, and it just happened to be a virus that my body could beat in seven days. But I d- know that normally I'm sick for a while, and when I took elderberry, symptoms were better, and the length of time I was sick was less than my average. And I also was, anytime I get sick, I drink a lot of water, and I'm very intentional about getting more sleep. Yeah, yeah, sleep. You definitely need more sleep when you're sick. That's a huge one. Yeah, I push. I mean, I'll, I'll move my schedule around however I need, I need to, and I'll get as much <laughs> sleep as possible when I'm sick. So, I mean, that could have something to do with it. It's probably a combination of all the things, but... I mean, it's my go-to when I start feeling symptoms uh, or even like before I have travel and when I get back from travel, I'll take a couple of shots of elderberry syrup just to give my immune system a little boost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think basically like with any supplements out there, most of, most of the time you really shouldn't be taking just one supplement or a stack of supplements all the time consistently throughout the year. I don't like to do that. I think a lot of the vitamins and minerals we get should be taken through our diet. And if you can't get it through your diet or through your surroundings, then that's when you start supplementing. So for me, for example, vitamin D, living in the Midwest here in the winter now, we basically just see gray skies for about four months. So I rarely see the sun. So during the winter months, I will take vitamin D consistently. Now once summer rolls around, spring rolls around, 
and the sun comes out, I'll reduce that dosage and then eventually get off it completely. So same with like elderberry here. It's not something that you should take year round. You're probably not going to get benefits from taking that consistently, but maybe if you're in an office, if you're traveling during flu season and there's a lot of people stick around you, maybe then would be a good time to start taking it. Or definitely if you feel symptoms at that point, start taking it consistently. Yeah, there haven't been any studies as far as I know that looked at the long-term usage of elderberry syrup. No, I don't think anything's been done on that yet, at least. So it's just it's just unknown. Uh, th- there's probably no need to, to take it every single day. Right. And when you are looking at elderberry syrup, make sure you look at the quality and, and what's actually in it. Uh, and there's many different types, as you've probably seen. There's syrups, there's extracts, gummies, lozenges. They come in all the elderberry wine, you know, the famous Elton John song. <laughs> and there's all kinds of elderberry supplements. Um, but whenever you're looking at these, look at what else is in it. I mean, a lot of times they'll add like zinc or vitamin C and that's fine, but sometimes they can be loaded with fructose and corn syrup and all natural flavors and it's just sugar. And the dosage may be hardly anything. You know, you may just have these gummies that are more sugar than they are elderberry. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely look at like what the milligrams that are getting in a serving. Cause yeah, you could buy, I think the syrups are usually pretty good. The dosages in that are good, but yeah, if you get gummies, you could have to eat, you know, maybe 10 gummies in order to get the appropriate milligrams that you need in order to prevent or help reduce the symptoms. Yeah. And, and by that time you're you getting more sugar than you should probably have. Right. And look, we're not, you know, we're not doctors. So, you know, you need to figure out the dosage for yourself. The studies were typically between like 300 and 600. That one study I cited went up to 900. I typically do 400 milligrams a day when I'm sick, uh, maybe 200 milligrams before travel or at the early onset. Um, But yeah, just make sure you understand how much is in a serving and how much you need to be taking when you're getting sick. Yeah, and this applies to definitely all supplements you buy. Make sure they're high quality. Make sure they are from trusted brands. You'll typically see a like a certified, there's NSF and USP certifications on labels of different supplements that you can buy. Make sure that they have one of those two, and that will just ensure that the the processing of this is uh, is clean that they're not putting they're not making other supplements in the same vat that this was created in because there can be trace elements of say a factory is making maybe they're making vitamins but they're also making something that gets mixed in with this so these certifications NSF and USP ensures the cleanliness of the vat before a new batch of something is made and it just ensures the processing is as clean as they say it is right. And that's why I would probably recommend like straying away from, you know, your your local neighborhood elderberry lady that's that's selling syrup. I mean, I, I don't know how it's like in Indy, but there's elderberry people all over Charlotte. They're <laughs> selling elderberry syrup. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm maybe they have a, a thorough process for that, but there's there's no certification that they, they go through. And when you're dealing with with something like this that can make you sick uh, if it's not processed correctly, I would I would 
avoid that and try to get something that had a process for for how it was made. Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful with what you buy. I know two brands that you can always trust is Thorn and Pure. I don't believe that either of them do elderberry. I could be wrong on that, but I know they do your typical supplements, vitamin A, C, D, zinc, iron, all of that. And Thorn and Pure are two solid brands that you can definitely trust and that you know you're getting right. what they say is on the bottle. Yeah. I, I've used, and I haven't probably done my due diligence on it, is just Nature's Way. That's what I see at Sprouts, where I got this. For elderberry? I, for elderberry, it's the syrup. But this one I got, and I just picked it up. I didn't even look at it when I bought it. Uh, it has it has a lot of sugar in it. So Ooh. like six grams of sugar for two teaspoons of it. Is it added sugar or is it just? Oh, natural, no, it's added. Natural. It's fruit. The, the other ingredients are fructose and natural flavors. Yeah, that's probably not, a one, you, not one you want to buy. No, and it tastes good. So that's probably a yeah. first red flag. And don't use elderberry or like we said in the past, don't use supplements to replace good sleep good diet and a lot of other fruits and veggies because you can get a lot of good nutrients from that not saying not to take elderberry but just don't use that as a replacement for taking care of yourself in other ways yeah all right we will wrap it up there stay healthy guys 